Good morning, everyone. Um, in my classroom, when I teach, I have to wear a mask. And so having a microphone and having my mask off is like a luxury up here. Um, I'm going to start with Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. It says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. I want you to think about that as I share. Um, so when Pete asked me to share a little bit of my testimony of how small groups have changed me at City Harvest, um, I sat down and I wrote down all the names of the groups that I had been a part of, and I wrote down what I got out of each one. And so that's what I want to share with you today. Uh, the first thing is that small groups helped me form new friendships and deepen friendships. Number two, small groups provided a sense of community. I don't know about you, but for me, there's nothing better than that kumbaya feeling of being around a campfire, singing songs, roasting marshmallows, and being in a small group um, gives you that feeling all the time. Number three, small groups gave me a predictable place to be seen, heard, known, and prayed for. I want to say that again. Small groups gave me a predictable place to be seen, heard, known, and prayed for. I was part of a small group that was started by the Elliots and was there for four years, and then Bob and Sue took it over. So every Tuesday for eight years, I had a predictable place to go every night um, and be seen, known, heard, and prayed for. Number four, small groups provide a level of built-in accountability. So when you show up week after week for eight years, People know you, and uh, you have to be accountable. They've prayed for you, so they're going to ask you how things are going. You probably confessed your sins, so they're going to ask you how that's going. Um, it's built in, as it should be, because we all belong to each other. Number five, small groups gave me a regular manageable group of people to serve. So in our small group, we took collections for people when they had needs. Um, we helped people move. We helped people clean. We took meals to people, we planned showers, we celebrated birthdays, and we did life together because we belonged to each other. Number six, small groups forced me to confront selfishness. So when you have someone in your group who you know can't pay the rent or you're not, they're not sure if they can feed their kids in the morning, it's really hard to go to bed if you haven't been a part of the solution. You know, the need is right there. You can't not feel led to help. Uh, number seven, small groups provided a safe place for rich, stimulating conversations and discussions, and a safe place. All you have to do is look on Facebook to know that we as a people are crying out for a place where we can discuss ideas and toss things back and forth, where we can d discuss theology, but in a place that's safe and in a place where we're not going to hurt the cause of Christianity. Small groups gave me the chance to do that. Uh, number eight, small groups provided a place to move in the gifts. And this is important because our gifts belong to each other. Um, our gifts weren't given for us. Our gifts were given to bless one another. And unless we're in a place where we can do that and move out, we don't have that opportunity. So the small groups that I've been involved with at City Harvest have given me an opportunity to administrate, communicate, organize, teach, lead, move prophetically, teach others to move prophetically, and serve. Um, in fact, some of the things that I'm doing today in the body are because of a group uh, experience I had in a small group. For example, uh, tomorrow, a couple of years ago, led a small group called Brave and Vulnerable. Brave and Vulnerable, and um, she had each one of us get up and share one evening something that we were passionate about. 
So we had the opportunity to teach. I chose to do mine on moving in the prophetic. And I found out that I have a passion for releasing people in the prophetic and building an atmosphere where God can speak to people. And because of that, um, there's two projects I'm working on right now that, that have that as an element, which would not have happened had I not been in that small group. Number nine, small groups put me in contact with people I wouldn't gravitate to normally. Um, that's important. You know, we all have people that, we're, that we identify with, and we have people that maybe we prejudge in our hearts. But when we sit down with them and really get to know them, we find that every single person has an exciting story, and every single person has something to give each one of us. Um, and it's important because we all belong to one another. Number 10, small groups changed my perspective. I don't have time to go into this story, but it's kind of funny, so hit me up on the side if you want to hear it. Um, number 11, small groups have provided... <laughs> what? Uh, it involved a, a recent small group. I'm one of those women who um, aren't comfortable in a room full of women. I would much rather be with the guys. Um, so from the time that I was like 10 years old, I've been trying to crash guys' groups. When I was a missionette, I tried to be a Royal Ranger. Um, when all the women in Bob and Sue's small group were going to the women's conference, I wanted to stay behind with the guys. Um, I've always heard the word no. Until a few months ago, I, accident, or I got into Pete's early morning small group. He had forgotten to say it was for men only. And Tamar made him let me come in. So in, for a three-month period of life, um, my bosses were men, my team at work was men, and my small group was men. And I learned the beauty of women. <laughs> I learned that, that I really miss women, and I learned that women um, always start emotionally. We always process the emotional thing first. And when I walked into work, um, they didn't do that. They really didn't want to gossip. They didn't want to talk. They, didn't, they just were ready to get down to business. So I learned that women are a good thing. Okay. Number 11, small groups have provided emotional support and emotional healing. Um, I've been through the Genesis process three times, and it um, rocked my world. It absolutely changed my life. If you had a chance to go through that process, I'd encourage you to do it. Number 12, small groups gave me a place to be my true, authentic self. When I was in this house church that lasted eight years, somewhere along the line, I realized, wow, I am most myself in this group. I can be ornery, I can be argumentative, I can lead, I can serve, I can laugh, I can make jokes. I was 100% myself. So if you're not in a place where you can be seen, known, heard, and prayed for, where you have a regular manageable group of people to serve, where your selfishness is confronted and where you meet people you wouldn't gravitate to normally. If you're not in a place where you can be your true authentic self, you need small groups. And even if you have all of those things in place in your life, uh, your brothers and sisters need you. Um, and we all belong to each other. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pete. That's very encouraging. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dale Trollinger. 
and I've been here at City Harvest Church since 2006. And my story about community life begins at a low point in my life, and that was in 2007. I was completely addicted to pornography. And it wasn't, didn't come to light until 2008. And the whole world kind of turned upside down. So today I want to highlight three people that helped me in my recovery. First is my wife Maureen. And what she did, I'll calm down, <laughs> was set up boundaries. Boundaries with consequences. Boundaries with consequences. That I was terrible at. And uh, the next thing she did was on the TV she found Joseph Prince. And I started to learn about the grace of God. Yeah. Truth. And next, I don't know whether your sister or a friend told her about a clinical psychologist named Earl Wilson. I want to start seeing him. Earl had similar problems to me. And he took my life apart. And he put it all back together. Come on. It was something. He was tough. But he was good. The next person, because I was counseling with Earl, uh, as a life coach, I started meeting with Phil Harris. And uh, I thought Phil was a nice guy. He'd be fun to talk to. <laughs> so what happened is Phil sat down with me. We, we met at a, at a Starbucks, I think. And he says, you know, everybody that meets with me needs to be in the Word with me. And I want to encourage you to be in the Word of God. Now, if you know Phil, he likes the book of James. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that were a couple of his favorites, I think, hand-picked for me. Bless his heart. That's no, not working. James 4, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And that's, this is verse 10. And you will be exalted in due time. In verse 6 he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. <sighs> I was not humble at all, but God was going to humble me. And this is how it worked. Now he had a community life group, which wasn't called community life at that time. It was called the men's Bible study. He taught that. Some of you were there when Phil taught that class. And... Um, he taught all the time, and he asked me, he said, Dale, he says, when I'm teaching, if I get to a place uh, concerning moral purity, do I, you mind if I ask you questions about moral purity in your life? And I made the mistake of saying, yes, go ahead. <laughs> so you're sitting in a group. We, we, uh, eventually, we were meeting at Krispy Kreme. People coming in buying donuts, right? And Phil would get to a scripture and say, Well, Dale, tell us about uh, moral purity in your life and how that's been going for you. And I had to tell him. I was at the bottom. I was terrible. 
But by the grace of God, he's caught, caused me to stand. Now, one thing that Phil did is he did this many times. And what it did in my life is I began to endure the cross and despise the shame, as it says in Hebrews 12. If you look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, now to him, no, that's Ephesians. It says that Jesus bore the cross and he despised the shame. One thing about sexual sin is there's a huge amount of shame. And that's one of the reasons why men don't come forward. Men don't come forward because they're ashamed of what they've done. But Jesus bore that shame for me, and he bore it for you. And I pray that you've never had anything like that happen in your life. And if you have children, I pray that you will get on them immediately. Avoid this at all costs. So, Phil, we did this for a long time. Every time he would do this, and I would go through this humiliation, but speak the truth, the Holy Spirit would come. And, and men in the Bible study started confessing. And I started to see that guys are bottled up with sin, and they need to talk about it. And that's one of the things that Bible study became was an accountability group. We would come and be honest and open before Jesus, and then we'd start getting healed. It's wonderful. Now, Phil had a calling on his life, and he was going to move to Bend. And I'll wrap this up quickly. He asked Mike Woodward to teach, and Mike was great. Did a tremendous job for about two years. And then he said, Dale, he says, uh, Melissa and I are going to be moving to Texas. He said, uh, would you consider leading the men's Bible study? And I said, Mike, you've got to be crazy. I mean, I can think of a half a dozen guys in this church alone that are good Bible teachers, you know, are ready to go. Uh, you're going to ask an ex-sex addict to teach the group. Boy, that's really good. And I asked God, I said, what on earth are you doing? And he says, i got a plan. This whole thing has been about not about you, but about me. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And that was about 2012, I think. Might have been a little later than that. So to this day, now one of the, Phil, one of the things Phil told me, he says, uh, if I'm going to meet with you, you've got you to be willing to get your butt out of bed, come down and meet with us at 6 a.m. and get into the Word of God. No, he didn't mince words too much, and neither do I. But it's hard for guys to get up in the morning. <laughs> After we called the ambulance, more and more men came. We found that meeting at Krispy Kreme was a tremendous place to talk about moral purity. It is. Because everybody walking in to get a donut's got a story. And most of them don't want to tell you their story or be honest about it. So Phil would ask me a question. And then Mike would ask me a question. Both different. And I asked Jesus. And I'm encouraging you because you may feel unqualified to have a community group. And so did I. 
And I told Jesus, I said, I don't have any idea what to do, right? Why would you take a guitar player and make him lead a group? So he said, he gave me an idea, and we've been doing it ever since. And it works in men's lives. Go figure, go figure. Yeah, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I'm going to pee up. I'll stop here in a second. I just want to read this scripture out of Hebrews. Hebrews, um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Someday you and I will be there singing Alleluia. Today, we're right there singing Alleluia. Holy is the Lord. Take advantage of that today. Practice up because you're going to be with a lot of folks soon. And when you go, you're going to want to hear, well done. Well done. Come on. I think I'm more nervous now than I was before. <laughs> um, I'm just really excited to share with you today um, about community life and how it's affected me. As um, We have been a part of City Harvest for now about four and a half years. Um, but what I want to encourage you with to start today is that God really desires for us to be in community with one another. Um, in fact, he created us that way. Um, and thank goodness, right? Um, I am so glad that I don't have to live this life alone and do all of this by myself. Um, so in Hebrews, or sorry, in Romans 12.10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Practice hospitality. And then in Hebrews 3.13, it says, Exhort one another. And as I was reading these scriptures, something came to mind from my childhood growing up. My parents were really invested in the church we went to um, in Spokane. And we constantly had people in our home, small groups in our home. And I remember my sister and I falling asleep to the sound of my parents meeting with people downstairs. So they were worshiping, they were praying, they were exhorting one another, they were crying, um, and that really made a lasting impact on me, um, and I remember thinking, as an adult, this is how I want to live. This is what I want to do. I want to live in community with people, and that really made a lasting impact on me. Sorry, I'm really nervous. I'm going to breathe. Here we go. <laughs> so fast forward to about four and a half years ago, um, Mark and I moved to Vancouver, and it was a really lonely season, even though it was super busy. Has anyone been in that time of life where 
we um, just had John Mark. He was brand new, so we had three kids under the age of five, and we knew we moved to this brand new city. Um, we were living in Portland with our close friends. They ended up moving away, and we felt like we were we were to move to Vancouver. So. We had a new baby, we were in a new city, we were in a brand new home. Ezra was about to start a new school and lots of new things happening in our lives. And I remember asking the Lord for two specific things. First of all, I'm a school teacher and I really wanted Ezra to go to a good school, but life was so crazy that I just was like, Lord, work it out, like help him go to a great school, like a great neighborhood school. I didn't want to have to worry about it. And it ended up being amazing. Um, and the second thing was, we asked for deep friendships. I was asking for deep friendships that wouldn't take years and years and years to establish. So um, soon after that, we started uh, attending City Harvest, and a friend was not at the time a friend, but a friend now um, invited me to a mom's group. And um, I don't think she realizes the impact that it had on me. Um, but sorry, <laughs> um, it was really like an instant bond with ladies in the group, um, they were in the same season of life as me, and I feel like the Lord just completely met me there uh, as I was willing to step out, so that was one example of just, um, you know, the Lord caring enough about my prayers and also using community to surround me, um, so it really made my lonely season into a joyful one. Um, and then about two years ago, I um, was invited to join a group that I was a little bit more reluctant to join. Um, and it was because it was dealing with a lot of like deep hurts and wounds from my past that I was like, I was still dealing with today and I didn't really want to go there. Tamar was leading the group and I knew she'd make us be really vulnerable and, um, <laughs> you know, make us really answer the hard questions, and there's a lot of homework, so I was like, God, really, do I need to join this group, and um, I feel like he was telling me, yes, you need to step out and, and join, and um, as I did, there was just so much that the Lord did, deep healing in my life, um, but the other thing that was surprising to me about what happened in the group was God showed me that the group was not just for my benefit, but for me to step out in the gifts that God had given me. So um, to use my voice to edify others. And I feel like for a long time, I kind of felt stifled, and um, I just didn't feel like there was a lot of value in what I had to say. But um, the Lord really taught me more about my identity in the group and to pour out as much as I was being poured into, because I was being poured into so much. Um, so what I want to encourage you with today, these groups truly changed who I am today and made a lasting impact. And um, what I think about is, um, had I not been willing to be obedient to say yes and step out, um, I could be praying those same prayers of like, God, give me friends, give me community. Um, so that's the reality. Like, I could still be in that lonely season of life where... I'm asking God to help, but had I not said yes and stepped out in what the Lord was asking me to do, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be, have had that um, 
impact and that it wouldn't have made that impact on, on my life. So um, what I wanted to encourage you with today is if you're in a season of loneliness or you're feeling anxious or you're feeling feel fearful, um, could it be that our breakthrough um, may come on the other side of our obedience to God? Um, I want to encourage you today that if you're feeling disconnected, lonely, anxious, the Lord desires to surround you, to draw near to you, and to um, lift you up with others in your lives. So just pray about where the Spirit might have you plug in today. So. I can't walk up on stage, so this is going to be my, uh, my one way to do it. <laughs> um, about three weeks ago, Pastor Pete asked if I would like to speak uh, during this community life celebration. And I said, sure. But uh, in my true, I guess, fashion, I waited until last night to do anything. <laughs> I feel that God uh, works best when I'm on a deadline. So... Uh, the first thing I thought about when it comes to community is a service about 10 years ago, back home in Ohio, what my pastor was talking about. And it was a statistic of young adults after high school that actually stay in church. It was about 70% leave the church for at least one year in between the ages of 18 and 24. And for me, all I was thinking about I loved youth group, I loved churches, I didn't want to be a part of that 70% to leave. To break those statistics down a little bit more, there's the top three reasons that people left church. It was 32% of the church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. 34% moved to college and then just simply stopped attending at college. And 29% didn't feel connected to people in their church. So just right off the bat, that's, it, it's so hard for me to picture someone that's not connected to their church, and especially in youth group. You feel so close, but statistically, 29% of people don't actually feel connected. So I joined the Marine Corps at 18, and they had me stationed in California. I was looking for a church for about a year and a half. I attended well over 20 to 30 different churches. I would go for a week, maybe two weeks, and then I'll move on. I remember one time I was going to church, I had a car and just to add some backstory, the car had the Jesus fish on the back, I put it on there as soon as I got it. And uh, so there's a, I like to get to church quickly. Sometimes I like to, you know, leave a little later and still get there on time. And uh, I get to the parking lot, I get out, and this guy gets out right behind me. And he says, hey, devil dog, where's, where's the fire? And I said, uh, what, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you were going so fast getting to church, I was just wondering there must have been a fire somewhere. I said, oh, sorry about that. I'll, I'll drive a little bit less aggressively next time. 
And uh, so I go into church, and then I see that guy on stage talking for the next 45 minutes because he was the pastor. Um, so that whole service was crazy to me. It was the first time I had seen anyone really speak in tongues because that wasn't something my church had to happen back in Ohio. I'm like, well, this is kind of weird. I don't know if I want to stay here. But at the end of the service, someone invited me to a young adults group, and that's where I stayed for the next year of my time in California. So that's all it really took for me to just stick to a church, was one person inviting me to a small group. So I moved out here, uh, and I met Cheyenne, and her first thing was, hey, you should go to my church. Well, I was living in Oregon City, and that's a 40-minute drive, and I didn't really love that. Uh, but I tried it anyway to impress the girl that I was dating, and uh, I met Dan Anderson, and I met like three Dans, and I don't know the other two, but I know one was Danny, one was Dan, and I think the other one was Dan, and Dan Anderson was the one that stuck out to me because he said, hey, my daughter goes to a young adults group, you should go, and he's like, that guy Isaac over there is the leader, you should go talk to him, so I say, okay, I go over there, I talk to Isaac, and say, hey, Isaac, and he said, uh, I said, I'm Jake, I'm friends with Cheyenne. He's like, oh, you should go to my house church on Tuesday nights. And I'm like, oh, okay, after three invites, I guess I'll go check out this young adults group. <laughs> Since then, it's, it's been my family. My family's home in Ohio, but I have a whole other family here. I, uh, I would go to Thanksgivings, New Year's Eve, all of my holiday celebrations are with the young adults. They truly are a family, and so much so, when I wanted to propose to my wife, I asked Pastor Pete if I could do it on stage, and I did that here. Um, it's just to show that I'm always traveling. I'm always going to be away from my family. But when you're part of a small group, you really do feel at home. So I had an accident. I got cancer. Um, and I've got an incomplete spinal cord injury. I've got a few because every tumor is a new spinal cord injury. But uh, I ended up in, in the hospital for a long time, and I would have some nice, I mean, mini parties in that hospital room with young adults that would come. Pizza parties, we would get ice cream, there was just so many different things, and it was just wonderful to see them pack into the room and just have fun, just to just keep me company. And one time, Pastor Pete came over, and... It was the first time in two months that I'd seen any movement in my legs after he prayed for healing over me. And I just knew that I had this huge church body um, praying, all because I decided to stay here, do the 40-minute drive, go to the young adults group, and just find a community to be a part of. So truly, I do not think I'd be where I am today, um, just being able to do what I'm doing today. Right now, setting up, it took me six months to be able to sit up like this. And I just think it's through constant prayer. Jan, Noel McKinley, they're constantly praying for me. I know they are. They're fasting for me. Sometimes I just feel bad because I wasn't even fasting myself. <laughs> so it's just amazing to see such uh, a strong group and such a strong community be able to help me out in times of need. So I wanted to leave you guys with this. It's First Peter 4, 9. It says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Just realize all it takes is one invitation. Just one invite to someone, say, hey, come out, hang out in a uh, young adults group, our community group, our men's huddle group, anything. 
Um, I think my wife just said, she said, oh, I've missed women mentoring women on Wednesday. That's probably why this place looks so nice. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if they designed it or not, but it looks great. Uh, just realize it takes just a small invite to keep someone at church and keep them involved and welcome them to a new family. That's all. Come on. <laughs> Good morning. You have to forgive me because I've been wearing this mask and I asked my wife this morning, what should I put on this thing to make it smell better? And she said, go put peppermint oil on it. So I, okay. My nose, my mouth, my beard is just burning right now. And I can barely breathe, so if I pass out, you'll know why. It's her fault. So, Pete asked me to come up here and give my testimony and I got to go back to the beginning because it all started off with a very heavy drinking approach to life. And then I turned to age two. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> no, I started off in the church. I had a family. My dad was a banker. My mom stayed home. We had a good family. My dad, unfortunately, was really wrapped up in the corporate world and he was a social alcoholic. Didn't see much of it, but as I came home and dad would repeat himself over and over and over, how was your day? I started to pick up on this stuff. This was when I was about five to seven years old. And I started to look at other father figures. And I ended up meeting an older boy, and we're gonna be transparent today. At age 10, this boy started molesting me. And that continued for two years. And there was such a guilt inside of me that I could not talk to my parents about this. In fact, I did not share anything with anyone until I was 25 years old. I was in the youth group. I was involved with other groups. I got involved with the Boy Scouts. I became an Eagle Scout. I was very driven because I had a lot of guilt. I had to keep proving to myself over and over and over that there's nothing wrong with me. And little did I know, I'm on a journey that God has me on, and he wants me to really learn about his redeeming quality. I had no idea it was going to take until I was age 42 before this journey would kind of come to a close. It was a challenge. I went and participated with various groups. I was leaders of groups. I ran accountability groups. And parents, I'm going to talk to you right now. Talk to your kids. If my parents had reached out and we had had more of that connection, even when it's embarrassing, maybe for the parents, get to know your kids. Ask them the tough questions. The other side of the coin is, kids, I'm going to talk to you too. I kept it inside for 20 plus years. Stupid decision. And I let Satan have such a foothold that I didn't know who I was, really. I didn't know that this would make me stumble 
with my relationships, that he was actually rewriting who God had designed me to be, and that I was going to be a person that just became driven. I did well in banking, but at the same time, I was failing on the relationship front. I ran accountability groups, and they were awesome. I was able to speak into young men's uh, souls and get them to take steps they wouldn't have took. Why? Because I was bold. I didn't have a problem asking them questions because I had so much guilt inside. I was like, you can't say anything to me that would make me care. So I'll ask the tough questions. Are you doing pornography? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? I didn't really care. Well, it made me a pretty effective leader with these young men because they all share everything. And it was, I've never shared this with anyone. And I was like, hallelujah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So it wasn't, this week, Pete gave me this assignment a couple weeks ago. Hey, get ready for your testimony. And I was, all right. God has took me all over the place on what to present. And so this is it. My wife and I are sitting on the couch this morning, and I'm going, we're supposed to give the testimony, but I don't have a clue. I can give my testimony. It's pretty, you know, it can be impactful based on who receives it. But we're supposed to incorporate these small group ideas. So she had this book called Prevail, which is 365, of endur 365 days of enduring strength from God's Word. Pretty good little book. When I was in high school, I read a book by Charles Swindoll called Hand Me Another Brick. And it was focused on the life of Nehemiah and what he did. And the verse right off the top of today's or this particular devotion that she was doing is Nehemiah 4.13. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Now you've got to read into the story a little bit. I encourage you to do so. But the whole focus was what do you do with your own life? How do you call your warrior friends to the low parts of your wall? And so I have been on this journey, and it literally wasn't until this morning when my wife shared this. I was like, that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to call people to stand next to me and guard my low points because I need that accountability. I need that encouragement, and I know everyone in here does. So when it comes to this church and small groups, men's group for me, that's a passion of mine. I did a survey years ago at Vancouver First Church of God, and 50% of the men, now this is back in 2000, 50% of the men did not participate in any small group. We asked them why. Number one reason, I don't have the time. And I thought, that is fascinating. Because if you don't have the time, then what will make you make the time? And so this is where my testimony started coming out, because I was going, you know what? we got to be real. That's number one. Number two, got to be transparent. Number three, we got to be willing to ask the tough questions. And four, if we're men of the church, men, we're supposed to step up and be the backbone of the church. Women speak to you too. I've always seen the women of the church as the heart of the church. 
They keep the family together. They slap us men around when we need it. I need it a lot, and my wife doesn't hold anything back. <laughs> but with that, I saw this church, and the part that got to me the most was we need to have small groups because we need to plug into one another. We need to be real. We need to be transparent. And I ask and I pray that you stand with me in this and that you fight Satan. This year has been nothing but social media attacks. And I look at all this and I'm going, where's our small groups supporting one another now? I believe they're in there. I believe they're fighting. But for me, my journey is not done. My journey is to get more men, more small groups, and to push it. So my testimony is pretty simple. I'm keeping it really short because it's a really long testimony. Just my wife and I getting married is a testimony all in itself. Having adopted kids is a testimony in itself. God has blessed us over and over. And today, I know I stand here redeemed. That's what I praise God for more than anything else every single day. So I leave you with that. God bless. Good luck. I've never spoken in front of the church before, so bear with me. Piece of cake, go for it. Yeah, easy. <laughs> my name is Taylor Spasandon, for those that don't know me. Um, I'm just going to share, yeah, my story of how I got into community um, and just how it impacted my life. Um, so back in 2015, I was halfway through my freshman year of college. I was going to a college in Portland before I transferred over to Boise State. And at that time, I had no community at all. I like had no friends, literally no friends. I um, was a part of a small group at my old church and they all went away to college and I stayed here. Um, my high school friends and I kind of just grew apart. Um, so I really just didn't have anybody. And so I was like, I need to go <laughs> meet people. I need to go into community and make friends. And because I was in a very low depressed stage in my life. And so I college group hopped. I just went to a bunch of different college groups. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't really connected with any of them. It was kind of like I just walked in and there was no connection, no one reaching out to me, and I just kind of left. Um, and so I asked some family friends of mine, I said, hey, does your church have a college group or community group at City Harvest? I went here for youth group for a little bit when it was like access days. Um, yeah, <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> um, went to a camp and I like loved it. I was like, I wonder if they have a college group. And so they're like, yes, you gotta go. It's amazing. The leaders are awesome. You're gonna love them. And I was like, perfect. So that next week, that next Tuesday night, I drove up to the address that they sent me and um, I sat in my car. <laughs> I don't think they know this. I sat in my car for like 15 minutes, not going, I, I it, felt like a long time. I did not go inside. I was like, ugh, like I'm wasting my time, like no one's gonna talk to me, because I went to so many college groups where like nobody reached out to me. Um, and I was like, this is not gonna work out, and I just was talking myself out of it. 
And then finally I was like, okay, I drove all the way here. I'll try it out. I'll just go inside. And I'm so glad I did. I went inside, knocked on the door. Noel and Isaac McKinley, it was their old house. Um, if you haven't met them, you need to meet them because I love them so much. And they're just like so on fire for Jesus. And it's just, yeah, I love them so much. Um, knocked on the door and they're like, hi, welcome to the house group. They're like, I was like, whoa. And I was like, okay, okay. And I walk in and they were like so welcoming. They're like, we have coffee, we have snacks. Go, just go get something. Yes, welcome. And I was like, wow, okay. And everyone there like um, reached out to me and they're like, let's go get coffee. Like, oh my gosh, what are you studying? And just like, um, I just felt so at home and at peace. And it was just like, whoa, what is this? Like, it was just amazing. Um, <laughs> trying not to cry. <laughs> um, and then a few months go by. I'm still going to the group and everything. Um, they planned this trip to Bend, which some of the young adults here went to. Um, and there was no details about this trip. I was just like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a really peaceful weekend away with this group of people. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in. They're like, you got to go. It's going to be amazing. Just go. And I was like, perfect, I'll go. There's a catch. We got there, and we go into the chapel area, and Chris Donald, if you know Chris Donald, he's amazing. He was speaking, and he's like, welcome. I'm so excited for this weekend. Um, you guys are going to go out on the streets. You're going to go evangelize to people, pray for people. You're going to have words of knowledge for people. I didn't even know what that was. You're going to go prophesy. I didn't know what that was either. And I was like, I immediately, like, shut down. I was like, can I go home? I was like, can I run? Can I get out? And I couldn't because we drove there. And so I was freaking out. And so the next day, um, I was in the back of my group when we went and prayed for people. I was like, I'm not doing this, like not into this at all. The introvert in me was like, nope. And then I remember <laughs> Noel and Isaac literally pushed me. They're like, you need to go pray for that person. You're a lion. You got this. Go pray for them. You can do it. And I was like, okay. And so I went and prayed for someone. And what I remember is the lady was at a bus stop and I like had a word for her, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. And she was emotional. I was emotional because I didn't know what I just did. And it was spot on. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Like, okay. Like I was starting at that time. I was really realizing the heart of Jesus. And, and it was just something I'd never experienced before. Um, because growing up, I knew Jesus here, but I didn't fully know him in my heart. I accepted him to my heart, but I didn't live out a relationship with him. Um, so I was just baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> um, fast forward a few more months, I got involved with so many things because people are like, you can do this. And I'm like, I can? It's like, okay, you're going to work the firework tent for the whole week. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, every single day, did not know what I was doing. Um, and I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And then they're like, you're going to help with camp because you can do games. And I was like, okay. And so I helped with camp. And this was the camp that really um, got me into relationship with Jesus. And it was the equipped camp. It was at uh, Kingsway. And I remember Chris Donald was there again. He was saying his testimony. Um, and then other people were saying testimonies. Um, and then we went into worship. And there was a song that played during worship, and it was King of My Heart. And every time I hear that song or it comes on, it's kind of like a sweet moment with me and Jesus because in that moment, that's where I rededicated my life to Christ. 
Um, and I was, I think I was like 18, 19. Um, and I remember that song was playing and I never raised my hands in worship growing up. I never did. Went to a Baptist church. I never, I never did that. Um, and in that moment, I was on my knees. I was praying. I was crying out to Christ. I was just like, just worshiping and worshiping. And it was, and I was just super emotional. And I remember going home after camp and I told my whole family, I'm like, I'm going to listen to worship music every single day, and not just on Sundays, and I need to get a devotional, and I'm going to do all these things. I was so excited, and they're like, cool. Like, they're really excited for me, um, and all these things happened because I decided to get into community. I decided to get out of my car and go into a house with people I didn't know, and surround myself with people that um, were encouraging me to walk in a life with Christ instead of away and um, building me up and showing me things about myself that I didn't know that I could do and that I didn't know like who I was, my identity in Christ at all. Um, and so surrounding myself with people like that, it, it just really encouraged me and pursued my relationship with Christ and now it's so much stronger now because of that and because of walking into the McKinley home um, and so now I'm like uh, getting involved in so many things uh, I've been asked to be a youth leader and I was like me are you sure and they're like yes you got this <laughs> I was like okay and they're like you and then a community group I was I remember talking to the McKinley's and I said I feel like there needs to be a change like a shift and young adults, they're like, perfect, go do it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not what I meant, but okay, I'll do it. And so now I'm leading a community group, which is fun. Um, and so anyway, all this to say, like, get into community. It's super important to surround yourself with um, people that love Jesus. I'm going to end with a verse, First uh, Thessalonians 5.11. Um, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Thanks. I have to admit I'm a bit jealous. Tamar has never stood up, not once, and clapped and said, Yeah, Peter, when I was done talking. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but <clears throat> I'll go to community and be redeemed, and God can heal me of that wound. Hey, great job, guys. Wonderful. Thank you both. Um, you know, neither one of them asked to do this. They were kind of voluntold, and uh, kind of as Taylor said, of just being pushed out. Um, you know, it, it's good, and it's been really neat about doing the, the daily devotionals is just hearing seeing what different people are writing. And because every single one of us has a story, every single one of us has a voice and a part of who Christ is. And none of us have the corner on that and have the whole picture. And so it's so important for us to hear one another, to experience one another in that way, to get each other's insights, because there's a piece of that that we don't get if... Um, 
you know, if all we're doing is, is listening to a few and we need to hear each other in that. I, I wanted to bring up a couple things that they shared. Just, you know, Corey talking about the redeeming quality of God. Each one of us have had things take place in our lives um, from our childhood to wherever you are now. Uh, words that have been spoken over you, things that have been done, accusations, all sorts of things. One of the lies of Satan is shame. And shame comes to say that not only, you know, it's not just that you, you did something wrong, but you are wrong. And God wants to redeem that. He wants to pull that off of each one of us because that is a prison. It's a cell. It, it is, there are shackles around you that hold you back into a place. And we need to be pulled out of that. Thing is, is none of us can really do that on our own. And yeah, we first and foremost need Christ to come in. But the thing is that God intended us to be in community. He intended us to have one another and never wanted it to just be just me and him. And I I have to open myself up to you. And because God is going to use you to pull things out of me and he's going to use you to to put things into me and and to speak new identity and and redemption in that way. Uh, He talked about getting people around us to guard those low and vulnerable points. We need to have men and women around us that help us out. And uh, each one of us, we have blind spots. Each one of us, we have our weaknesses, and we need others around us to do that. And then he gave four things, but I only heard three. Um, I got real. We're going to be real. We need to be transparent in groups. We have tough questions. And what was number four? Transparent. So we're going to be transparent twice. Okay. So you're going to have double transparency. What that means is you're honest, and then you realize that you actually still hid something, and you're going to be honest again. You're going to go to that next level. You know, Taylor talked about needing to realize the need for relationship. She realized she needed it, and there's an ownership part for all of us in community. It's so easy for all of us. We've all been new somewhere. At least once in our life, we've gone. We've been the new kid in the school. We've been the new employee in the business. We've been the new family in the neighborhood, whatever it is. And instantly, there's an insecurity in 99.9% of us. There's 0.1% that you guys are just crazy, and you just believe, you just go. But the rest of us like to hunker down in our home, and we, 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 we wait for people to come to us. And we, we wait for that to happen. And when it doesn't happen, we feel rejected. We don't feel seen and we feel like there's something wrong. But Taylor took ownership and she realized she needed community. And she drove up. How many of you guys have ever been somewhere like that? Like you drove up and you sat in your car. And then you, here's the amazing thing about Taylor. Is she didn't talk herself out of it. She actually stayed there and then got out of her car. I, I always talk myself out of it, and then I have a reason. You know, I should really just keep driving. It's going to be a lot better for me and God if I just kept driving. And, but also that community pushes us out of our comfort zone. And there was so much more to who Taylor is than what she realized about herself. And what did she need? She needed community to create a space for that, to create a safety for that, and also for people to say, you're a lion. You know, and she talks about being an introvert, but anybody in here believe that? No. Um, no, you are a lion. And that was, that's amazing. But it takes that community. God uses the community to do that. So, obviously, is this a soft sale? No, this is high-pressure sales, okay? Is get into community. We need community around us, okay? And um, 
last Sunday we sent out, there was like a PDF that had like a list of different groups and then another one that showed you how to find the groups on the realm. And so you can request to join the group. If you're struggling with that and you couldn't find it on the realm, they will help you after the service in the lobby. If you need a paper copy, we will print that off for you and help you get connected. But we all need to do it. There are groups that happen early, late, midday. There's groups that are in person. There's groups that are Zoom. There's groups that are Bible studies. There's marriage groups. There's um, budgeting groups. Those two typically should go together, but we won't talk about that right now. There's um, all sorts of groups, men, women, young, old, the whole gamut. The idea is there's groups for all of us in this room. And I just want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone, get into community, and keep writing and allowing Jesus to write the story of who he's called you to be. And knowing that it's not just going to come. Tomorrow, you're doing a great job encouraging. I just want to publicly thank you. Yeah, go tomorrow. But he still wants to write this story in you and pull those things out. And he's going to use community to do that.